0: I'm author and athlete Brad Kearns. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life. Visit bradkearns.com for great resources on healthy eating, exercise, and lifestyle. And here we go with the show. If you exercise and you
1: sprint specifically, your HPC4 channel is properly polarized. So, brain health that's one of my favorite things. On race day, performance day, in life, nothing is ever going to be perfect. And the sooner we learn that and we just learn how to tackle the op- obstacles in our life, the better off we are all around. Newsflash, I don't train every day. I actually only run three times a week um, at the track, and that workout is usually done within an hour to an hour and a half, depending on what's going on, you know, but hey, starting from the warm-up to the finish.
0: where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light... Red's visible, near-infrared is not visible. That's why it looks like only half of your panel's working. These wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, And a special 5% discount for B-Rad podcast listeners. Just visit mito M-I-T-O-REDLight.com and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Hi listeners, let's get ready to rumble with Cynthia Monteleone, a world champion master's track and field athlete and a certified holistic metabolic analytics practitioner. She is full of positive energy coming to you with a flower in her hair from the beautiful island of Maui, Hawaii, and we are gonna rock with a very interesting, enthusiastic, and inspiring show. By the time you're done listening to the show, you are going to be ready to sprint. And she is a huge proponent of the overall health fitness, and lifestyle benefits of sprinting. You're going to wait till the very end of the show, and she gives you this fabulous top 10 list, list of 10 reasons why sprinting is better than cardio for your fitness, your health, everything else. We talk about her background where she ran track as a collegiate athlete, was a fine athlete, division one at UNC Wilmington, took a 20-year break to go live real life, have three kids, move to Hawaii, and then somehow she got inspired to Participate in Masters Track and Field and had this incredibly rapid ascension to winning the world title in her age group. And her time in the 400 meters is 57 seconds. And I don't know if you have reference points for that. But it's an extraordinary performance. And one reference point is, well, one reference point is that's faster than me. I'm hoping to do a 57 someday. Uh, but this woman is for real. But it's also faster than she ran in college as a D1 athlete. So she is turning back the clock like nobody's business. And she has a really amazing and unique blend of steep scientific knowledge as well as practical application of being an all-around world champion jock so you'll hear her get into some science at the very end it might get a little confusing when she mentions the metabolic pathways and things but she is very well read well researched and she's applying all this research to a great uh, success story uh, list of clients including all the way from Olympic athletes to everyday folks and to other elite master's performers. Uh, Her operation is called Metabolic Analytics of Maui. So I'm hoping you're going to hit some of these links that we provide in the show notes and listen to what she has to say. It's so inspiring. You can hear behind all these uh, scientific rationale and these logistics and these technical details about her sprint workouts and performance is a tremendous amount of positive energy. And you'll get that from her Instagram site too we've been trying to connect for a long time and i'm so honored to talk to the champ cynthia Montilione. here we go oh my gosh i have the world champ in front of me on the screen cynthia Montilione from hawaii the beautiful island of maui aloha and my sister down the road a recent new resident of maui so look forward to visiting there frequently and then coming and doing a track workout with you someday but i'm gonna have to I'm going to have to build up to that that uh, great experience because we are talking to a fast super mom here, people, and we have so many important topics to discuss. But I think as we uh, get to know you here, I want to talk about this incredible journey where, hey, okay, you're a track runner in college, everybody was something back in the day, isn't that great? And then you have, was it a couple decades break before you uh, set your sight back on the oval? and then had this extraordinary performance a couple of years back, uh, winning the world title. So take us through that, Cynthia.
1: Yeah, sure. I love to share my story because I have a passion for helping others thrive. And if someone can be inspired or learn from my story um, to not give up on their goals or dreams or just give that extra little bit, that's why I'm here. Um, so I did uh, earn a scholarship to Division I School University in North Carolina, Wilmington. And um, I was actually a 400, 200 meter runner mostly, but I, my specialty ended up being the 500 indoors. I was top five in the East Coast in the 500. Um, And I, you know, I would say I was, I was never like conference champion. I was never at the NCAA meet. I wasn't at that caliber, but um, I was good enough to still hang with, you know, top five in East Coast. So that being said, so 20 years later, I took a break, I got married, I had kids, um, I have three children. And uh, right after I turned 40, I had just finished breastfeeding my youngest son. Um, He was about two. And uh, I thought, okay, well, it's time to, you know, get back in shape, because I do encourage women not to Lose too much body fat if they're breastfeeding because it's really important that they don't introduce mm. those toxins through their milk. So mm. I would say, hey, women, like, don't look to get into super tip top shape and lose all that body fat right away while you're uh, still breastfeeding because uh, you, there's plenty of time for that. <laughs> you're,
0: uh, you need well, that so, fat so,
1: to feed your child. So um,
0: quickly yeah. explain what you're talking about when you're dropping body fat and dumping those fatty acids into the bloodstream.
1: Yeah. So your your body does a great job cleaning up your system. And one of the ways it protects you is by storing toxins in body fat. And we can get into this a little bit more uh, with how I do my analysis and how I measure body fat in my Olympic clients. We'll put a little note to save that for later. But so just for instance, like your, your toxins are stored in your body fat. So if you're losing a lot of body fat quickly, right after you have a child and you're breastfeeding, you can actually introduce those toxins into what you do introduce those toxins into your breast milk. And then that gets fed to your baby, which you don't want. So if you just do it naturally, little by little, you know, that sort of thing, don't rush it, you need to hold some of that body fat for fuel for, you know, your child uh, to move fat for fuel to feed them. Uh, Then I would just say, you know, be sure to tell mothers not to rush it. I think there's a, a lot of celebrity culture with uh, you know, you see whoever it is. I don't know. I don't watch the Kardashians, but someone like that, and they're like, "Oh, look how skinny I got so quickly mm-hmm. after my child." And I would like to anti-promote that <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because your health of your child is most important, not what your body looks like.
0: Okay, so um, here you are in your so, your forty yeah, early um, forties. The kids are, you know, getting going. They've yeah. had a wonderful start in life, mm-hmm. and my daughter. Um, My daughter
1: was 11 at the time. And she said to me, mom, I want to run track in college like you did. And I said, oh boy, okay, well, you know what? Let's get out on the track and let's do a 400 and see where we're at. And we got out there and man, it was the hardest 400 I've ever run in my life. (laughs) We tried our hardest and we both came across the line somewhere around 130, 140 seconds, maybe. And I thought I was going to die. My whole body hurt. Um, and, uh, we started from there. And so very, I, I actually, when I, when I then jumped into some track workouts, a couple of weeks later, um, my bones felt like they were moving back together. It was very hard on my body and I like pulled my quad and my hamstring right away. I, cause I just jumped into it. I didn't know what I was doing really. Right. And so I stopped and I said, okay, you know what? I started to learn from this mentor, Charles Polican, uh, through one of his students. I'm going to go to him, him himself and I'm going to learn from him. And I started my journey learning from Charles uh, directly. And he kind of took me, I was very lucky because it's not always warm and fuzzy. I don't know if you've ever seen any uh, videos of Charles or heard about him, but not yeah. not always the warm, warmest and fuzziest, but if he um, liked you. That was if, great. <laughs> so
0: listeners, this guy is a legend in the strength training community. Uh, I believe he passed tragically uh, recently.
1: 2018.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that was really rough in his 50s. Um, but he put out so much wonderful content is so highly respected amongst all manner of um power explosive athletes for his unique training methods. So you're telling me you you traveled, you traveled from the islands to go to go hit this guy up and, and see if see if he would uh he would he would yeah. help you out.
1: I actually started off taking one of his classes and um, then took more and basically connected with him during class. I think he respected my questions. I, I'd like to think that's what what happened. And he started sending me messages. And I was like, every time he would send me a message, I'd run to my husband. And I'd say, oh, yes, Charles sent me another message. Like, that's how much I revered this man, because Brad, like, I could. Th- Still, years later, every single thing that Charles taught me, when I put it into practice with my clients or myself, it works 100% of the time. How many things that you know work 100% of the time? Like every time it works, what Charles said. And he was years ahead of the research, like 20, 30 years ahead of all the research. And so it is tragic that we've lost him because we lost our, our oracle into the future, basically. Um, because things that, uh, you know, Andrew Huberman and different experts are talking about now is new discoveries. Charles already knew and taught us 20 years ago. Uh, so he did have uh, a, a genetic heart uh, issue. I, don't, I can't say I'm not his family, so I can't say exactly cause of death and that sort of thing. But he outlived his genetics by at least 20 years, I believe. You know, doing his little biohacks as well. Um, now he also did a lot of experimenting and that sort of thing. So his personal journey is his journey. But what he taught works 100% of the time, and I am so fortunate that I was able to take that and build myself um, from that knowledge, and then now continue to change people's lives, whether it's uh, an Olympian or whether it's someone with autoimmune issues, that sort of thing. Um, so there I was on the track, and I started to learn everything the right way from Charles and mm-hmm. started to implement that. Uh, and uh, I got a fourth place ribbon at my first national championships. And by so this 0. is how one, long
0: after you started?
1: This was at age forty one.
0: So a year or yeah. some later, you went to the nationals,
1: yeah, yeah and, went and, to and the placed national. up four.
0: That's incredible yeah. progress.
1: thank you. I ran a sixty one, so I went from uh-huh. a one. 30, 140 to a 60. Nice. More. Just
0: what is yeah. that? A, a 50% uh, improvement rate in a year.
1: Yeah. It, it's just amazing that I, but I dedicated a lot of time to it, you know, um, three times a week training, still the same kind of schedule I have now, three, uh, four times a week strength training, three times a week writing. So, um, but the, the keys were and we can talk about more were what I was putting in my body for fuel and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there I was with my fourth place ribbon. And man, I wanted to throw that thing in the trash because I lost by point one. And I thought, you know what? I never want a fourth place ribbon again. And so I hung it up in my gym for years as a reminder that I don't want a ribbon. So dark I contest. Back, yeah. Yeah. I vowed I will come back next year and I will win the national championship. And, and so, this stuff,
0: people, you're talking about USA track and field masters meets, and this is like, the the level of performance is incredibly high when you're, you're talking about the people that are dedicated to it and come to the nationals and fly there is a really serious people. A lot of them have a strong background like you did, or maybe even uh, beyond that, we're talking yeah, about former national level that. runners, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So you're going back the next year with, with revenge in your heart.
1: Yeah. So I show up for indoors. I don't run indoor track really you know like i did in college but this is, i hadn't run since college indoor tracks i showed the indoors and i won the 400 and the 200 to my surprise um and then and uh, you know the relays uh with my club and then i came back outdoors and i won again and that's the same one that i believe that was spokane so i believe that's where david pitts was, who was one, one of your
0: clients, clients who won the uh, my division and who yes. i initially uh was, was so uh, captivated by and just seeing the level of performance. Um, and you know, we, we joke about being in the older age groups, but, um, tell us your time in that, in that national title in the 400.
1: Um, that, that time it was a 58 flat.
0: <laughs> so yeah. if you're not familiar with that people, it might be fun one day to go to your local running track and you know, it's 400 meters. The straights are around hundred, the curves are around hundred. So try to run just a straightaway at 58 flat pace and you'll see what I'm talking about that would be a 14 something or let's say 15 seconds is giving you a 60 second pace yeah. yeah it's so it's an under- astonishing 15. speed for uh for anybody uh let alone a 42 year old female who's uh, had 20 years off and is coming back having a little fun with the flower I don't think you had the flower in your hair when you were running 58 flat or did you I did yeah that's your signature. Fact, you can't, you can't let it go
1: with one of the other ladies who was very competitive in my age group who said, I wore a flower in my hair first. Why is she wearing a flower in her hair?
0: Ooh, the drama thought, on the it, track every did I, time did I
1: graduate to high school back again.
0: <laughs> that's right. Your, your times are as good as college. And so are the, uh, emotions from the competitors. That's hilarious. Yeah,
1: so whatever I said, I'm from Maui. I don't know why she does it, <laughs> but
0: yeah, that's right. Come on.
1: Yeah. So, um, Yeah. So I ran that 58 and then I went to Spain that year for the world championships. Um, And I actually, I wasn't sponsored by my supplement company yet. And so I wasn't on all of the supplements that I now believe in and put people on and that sort of thing. I was kind of finding my way at that point with that, with my education. Um, And I got a stomach bug on my, let's say, Wednesday, I ran my semifinal on a Wednesday and my final was on a Friday. And I had basically waterfall diarrhea for two days. So I was depleted. I showed up. I didn't even know if I could show up to my race. I called Charles. Uh, he was in the air, actually, to Estonia at the time. And he called me back right away. And he said, immediately take, um, go to the nearest pharmacy and take um, 10 charcoal pills every hour until symptoms subside. And I ended up taking that whole darn bottle. It was like 80, 90 charcoal pills throughout the course of the evening. Don't try this at other people. I was I was able to show up to my race. I could barely eat anything because if I ate, it would go right through, right? So I think I ate like, I don't know, one piece of fruit or something and I immediately felt like I didn't. So I showed up to my race and um and I ended up with a bronze. So I ended up running 58 low. I ran all my rounds in 58s, And I was feeling fantastic. I was like jogging across the line in a 58 mid, you know, like felt amazing until that. And so I believe it was from some contaminated lettuce now that I traced it back. Um, and so I actually blacked out a little after the race, they had to come bring me some water and food because that's how bad I was off. But I still got bronze because <laughs> I was determined. Uh, so I got a bronze and I remember saying to the winner, like, Hey, like I only lost because I got sick. And she was like, Oh yeah, yeah, whatever. you know." And again, I vowed I'm coming back and I'm going to win. And so six months later, I went to the world indoor championships and I won. And I beat the same lady who had beaten me uh, at outdoors, which I told her, Hey, I was just sick. (laughs) I'm coming back better than ever. So that's uh, what happened in that race. I ran a 58.1 indoor um, and I also ran a 57 outdoor right before that, um, that following spring. So that was when I was 43. So it's three years ago. Um, and I ran that 57. This is because you're a trackster. You'll appreciate this. I ran that 57 mid, it was like 57.5, out, outdoor at my alma mater track in North Carolina. I was there for an alumni meet. I showed up to you know just be a special guest. And I ran that my coach was there. He wasn't coaching there anymore, but he was coaching another team. And he had happened to be bringing his team for, uh, for the race. And he got my splits, which was great. It was just like college. It was so much fun. So here I was 22 years later running. I think I ended up third or fourth. I think I ended up fourth in the race. All the girls were running 55s, you know, 56, that sort of thing. I, I came across in 57. I was so proud. Uh, of myself and my coach was there again. My my parents were there cheering for me. It was awesome. So it was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, so then I had got right after that went to uh, indoor, and then that fifty eight point one was faster than my indoor best. So I ran faster than I did in college. Twenty,
0: <laughs>
1: um, and I believe I could even go faster. Like I, I definitely we can talk about this. But I've been working on my speed more. I'm consistently developing. I'm consistently finding new Ways to make myself stronger and faster, and I always joke like one of these years I'm going to get slower, but not this year. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I've been concentrating a little bit more on my speed and my 200, um, and I went uh, 25 a couple times in practice this year, which I was very pleased at. Um, about three times I ran 25. I didn't get very good optimal conditions in any local meets. You know, I had the win against me, pouring rain, all the good stuff. So I ended up with like 26 low to mid for my times uh, officially. But I'm still like, I know that that 25 was in me and I, you know, it happened a few times and my coach was on it. So I'm very happy with that, that I'm working on that speed, continuing that speed as I get older.
0: Uh, listeners can uh, understand how excited I am to talk to you about all this stuff, because I talk all the time about the importance of setting these distinct goals and having that competitive intensity carried with you throughout life and how that gets you up in the morning and uh, it keeps you positive. It has so many uh, you know, mental health and hormonal benefits to your life. But one thing to understand is like when you're going for these marginal improvements and you're already at the elite level, you're world champion, and you're trying to get faster, Um, The training is is pretty difficult. So I'm wondering, uh, you know, to handle that kind of load and to do those workouts that are necessary to excel at that level can be really difficult. And I wonder if you have any problems like injuries that I complain about all the time, or just the fatigue or the the rebounding necessary. And I know we're going to talk about supplements and diet and all those things that you have a tremendous level of expertise in.
1: All of that as my coach likes to say, you have to have all of the pieces of the puzzle. So you have to have the strength training. Um, I have, I, I am a certified strength coach under calling training uh, under Charles. Um, but I am not at the advanced level that my strength coaches. So I, I do write programs for people, but I rely on him to write my programs because we're, I think we're better when we give ourselves to another coach, honestly, because, They know us. They can see things that we can't see ourselves. Mm -hmm. Or some people might stop before the workout is done, meaning they might talk themselves out of finishing the workout or they might do the opposite. They might do too much and they might hurt Mm -hmm. themselves. So I feel like really having a coach is important or having someone at least a training partner to keep you accountable. Um, Either direction is really important. So that being said, I have a strength coach, Malcolm William from Source Performance. He was one of Charles's top students. He handles a lot of professional athletes as well. He's in Arizona. Um, and then uh, I have had zero injuries, Brad, zero since I started running. Since that first time I told you I pulled my bottom my hamstring
0: except Why? your ego was injured in Spain when you got third and they didn't think you were going to go smoke them the next year. Right. Yeah,
1: man. <laughs> that was, I wanted to throw that medal in the trash too, but <laughs> third place, what I came here for gold. <laughs> uh, but no, I, well, you know, again, like I said, I was, I was a little um, uh, early in my education with the supplements and things like that. But I, I don't really, after that I dove into the research, I dove into how can I prevent this from ever happening again? And I got a great supplement company to sponsor me, ATP Labs. I'm now sponsored by both ATP Labs and Designs for Sport. I want to talk about that too—the um, quality of the supplements after this. But um, so I started doing things like um, prebiotic fibers at night with probiotics, especially when I travel, to make sure that my gut bacteria are armed um, against foreign bacteria, because when we travel to other places, even if it's Europe, it doesn't have to be a sketchy place like Mexico or Indonesia or something like that. It could be just that our bacteria is not used to the new bacteria. And so our immune system takes a little bit of a tank from that. So we got to make sure that we're, we're supplementing with all different things that we need, um, foundational supplements like magnesium and zinc, but I also do take uh, the prebiotic fiber and probiotics at night uh, before I go to bed um, to make sure that I'm okay with that. And so the supplements and then um, uh, the timing of the workouts, I think a lot of people get this wrong. Um, I, they think that I train every day and I don't.
0: Super hard every day. She's out there puking on the side of the track. No.
1: Yeah. I am very, uh, protein forward, I consume 200 grams of protein a day minimum. And so people have asked me, is that because you train every day? And I'm like, <laughs> newsflash, I don't train every day. I actually only run three times a week, um, at the track. And that workout is usually done within an hour to an hour and a half, depending on what's going on, you know, but you know, starting from the warm-up to the finish. Um, but really within an hour, that workout said, I strength train, four times a week, but as I get closer to season, it drops to two to three times a week, sometimes even once a week, if I'm really you know, close to peaking. And that is only an hour. Because Charles used to say, if you're in the gym longer than an hour, you're making fr- friends, not progress. <laughs> <laughs> he had some really great one-liners. Right. Um,
0: I think so- important behind that, and you're also mentioning that your track workouts don't take that long, and I think people have a lot of flawed notions about this, that like this lady on Maui must be living and breathing and, and just uh, obsessing about uh, track day and night in order to become world champion. But you just you just rattled off your entire time commitment. And yeah. it's certainly within reach of almost anyone, not that your times are, uh, but it's, it's interesting it to know.
1: Seven hours a week.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean... Yeah. Um, the, maybe the quote, eight,
1: maybe eight with like a little few minutes here and there
0: <laughs> watching, watching video analysis of technique or whatever. Uh, but when Charles, uh, made that epic quote, I think, uh, what we're talking about here is if you are prolonging these workouts that are intense and explosive by nature, Um, you're going to overproduce stress hormones, and it's going to be a a recipe for breakdown, burnout, illness, and injury. And unfortunately, it's a very common thing, even among recreational exercisers, where they're going in, uh, we know some some ladies at the local health club will go and do back-to-back classes. So they're out there with heart rates jacked through the roof, uh, because they're not super fit to begin with. Uh, And they're pushing their bodies literally harder than the world champ here on the screen and on the, on the mic. So I'd like to dig in more to optimization of of that.
1: Oh, like, you know, um, you know, you're, you you look so great you know you look so muscular and your abs and this and that like i i recently had a picture up on my story or something like that Some, you know i live in a bathing suit because i live on an island and um and another
0: excuse okay she's got the hair the flower in her hair because it's hawaii live in a bathing suit because it's 86 degrees all the time why not why not (laughs)
1: like exercise clothes or bathing suit is pretty much my uniform um but yeah, and they said, oh, you're so jacked and this and that. And it, I thought, how funny, because I haven't even lifted weights in like four weeks. This is all from intense sprinting, because as I taper my lifting, I intensify my sprinting. Um, so that sprinting is a full body workout. And because I haven't been lifting, I can feel the, um, the full body soreness after I have a really like you know, solid day of sprinting at the track the next day. Uh, in between my shoulder blades are sore. And that mm-hmm. also tells me like where I need to work on too. Sometimes my triceps, um, sometimes I get um, like lactic here in my in my uh, chest, pec.
0: you're pointing to, if you're yeah, listening. So a lot of people
1: yeah. think sprinting is all lower body, but the upper body is so very important for sprinting. Um, and then let's see, my, my quads are usually a little sore. My hamstrings are not usually sore. Sometimes my calves, so I can tell the full, but, but and my abs are sore. So the full body workout from sprinting and, um, we can go over it too, but the top, there's, I have a top 10 of why sprinting is better for aging, uh, than endurance training. Um, but yeah, so I, I basically back to your question, I've got the strength training, the supplements, and then, um, also the, um, the cycling of the workouts. I think that is very, very important to make sure you have enough recovery, because as you mentioned, there are. These stress hormones, the cortisols through the roof? Well, as Charles pointed out, our species was designed that if we're getting chased by a tiger, we're not really interest, interested in reproducing, although he used a lot of other. Mm. <laughs> so um, we're not interested in that. And so because our, our testosterone tanks when we, and our uh, reproductive hormones tank when our stress hormones are increased.
0: Or starving so, over the winter, in our ancestral example, when there's not enough food, yeah, all the hormones are gonna tank.
1: Yes, exactly. So we want to keep our, our hormones balanced and at optimal levels. And one of the best ways to do that is through um, this cycling and making sure you have enough recovery. Because, you know, our, we tear our muscle tissue when we train, but then we need it to go back together strong. So my ha- nagging hamstring issue that I first had, Charles taught me, um, you know, within that first year or so, Oh hey, uh stop icing after you run and stop stretching. And he had me stopping static stretching and it went away like that. And so I was, I couldn't believe it because all these years, and even my coach was like, Oh, make sure you ice, make sure you ice, you know. And so I would leave the track and I would sit there on the drive home with an ice pack on my hamstring and it was not getting better. And I went to the physical therapist, I went to everyone, and it, it took me until Charles said hey, stop icing and stop static stretching. And I was like, oh, okay. And I did and it went away within a couple months and I never had an injury again. Um, And that I believe is also due to uh, the proper strength training techniques that Charles teaches. And that I learned through like my strength coach, uh, Malcolm. Uh, A lot of people are really into this mobility training right now, but this is incorporated into proper strength training. Mm -hmm. I also think it's important to note that I have never done an Olympic lift. All these sprinters are doing all these power Olympic lifts. We don't do that. I do eccentric training a lot Mm -hmm. um, and variations. I vary my cycle about every four weeks at least. Um, And so all of these little tiny lessons that again are just all the way back to Charles and his teachings keep me healthy. It keeps me from having some weird um, you know, quirk in my, my twerk in my pelvis or something like that. I do get treated by my physical therapist sometimes, but like all these, these um, important strength training exercises, keep my mobility, keep my stride length, keep my uh, velocity, keep my, um, like my, my, uh, what am I saying? My maximum force to the track, because when you sprint, you want to put maximum force down as, as you're pushing off. This all comes from proper strength training and proper track training. So my coach also knows, uh, you, I used to show up and give him the list, like, oh, um, I'm a little tired, mm. I'm a little sore from lifting, I'm a little this and a little that, and then he'd go, okay, uh, you're going to do a 500, you're going to split 59, um, I want you to come through a 116, you know, and I was, I'd be like, oh, okay, like, I learned very quickly, he doesn't care. <laughs> And so I stopped giving him the list and I I ended up performing in practice a lot better because I just showed up and I was like, uh, instead of thinking what felt a little off with me, I felt like, okay, I'm going to dominate this workout no matter what, because let's face it on race day, whether it's uh, your work is your performance, like a meeting or something like that on race day, performance day in life nothing is ever going to be perfect. Mm. And the sooner we learn that and we just learn how to tackle the obstacles in our life, the better off we are all around. So whether that's a track workout or a meeting or your job or whatever it may be, um, best to concentrate on what we're going to be good at and have that optimism and that positive attitude than to think about, oh, I might feel a little freaky. I'm old, I'm this, I'm that. You know, don't give yourself an excuse. That's what I would say. Uh, so those are the major elements. I also went to an animal protein based diet. I mm. eat steak uh, an hour before I run before it, the four hundred. The carnitine buffers. Um, it used to be lactic acid, right? But now they say it's not lactic acid; it's uh, a calcium ion uh, issue. Right,
0: right, right. So uh, that a minor nuance. Protein. It's what everybody thinks. Yeah, um, but it's the, the the lactate is used for fuel, and so right. the burning sensation it's is not anxiety. from. It's yeah. not from lactate. Lactate is a valuable energy source, but it's from right. the uh, yes, yeah, something about the the acid lactic, accumulation in the. Yeah. Say it again.
1: Well, uh, they believe it's possibly the lack of calcium ions. They actually don't even know. They just know that the lactate coincides with the fatigue. So now I say fatigue, like I said, lactic acid here earlier, but really it's just the fatigue. So now I try to say fatigue. Um, but yeah, so the um, the carnosine buffers the fatigue. Um, I have all of that B12, folate, like all the really, you know, all the carnitine, all the things you need for power and explosiveness and a little bit of endurance because red meat has that fat and I have become, uh, more fat fuel adapted and protein adapted. So I get, I kind of get my carbs through protein because of gluconeogenesis. Um, I mm-hmm. do have a little bit of, uh, starchy carbs at night. Um, to wind down and make sure I still have some serotonin for restful sleep. That's important for people to know. Uh, I think a lot of times people make the mistake and have their carbs in the morning and then they wonder why they're a little bit having a little slump midday or even mid-morning. And it's because your neurotransmitters are firing off of what you're eating. So if you eat red meat for breakfast, for instance, you're firing acetylcholine and dopamine, especially if you're uh, adding some you know some nuts with it or maybe an egg that's high in choline, keeps your brain firing. Um, So you really wanna stimulate that for uh, longevity and energy throughout the day, and then start to introduce your uh, tryptophan from poultry and your serotonin later in the evenings as you wanna wind down to sleep. Uh, So, I mean, again, Brad, like there's like so many things, little things that go into what, how did this happen? How did I end up running faster? at age 43 than I did in my twenties. Like, but, and it's all of these little things and how do I keep getting faster and keep staying healthy and not getting injured It's all of these little things. Um, so yeah, I, that's the long story.
0: <laughs> uh, let's so, go a little more detail on your animal based diet. Um, sure. listeners can hear you on some other podcasts. I heard John on peak human with Brian. That was a great show. Another oh, great. track guy geeking out a little bit on track and all that. And, um, uh you're, I'm assuming, getting uh, an appropriate level of carbs to replenish glycogen because you're training so hard. And uh, so
1: under 80 grams a day.
0: Okay, so you're in that camp of um you, you're definitely going to call that low carb by comparison to anything, but especially like
1: keto where, where it would be sub 20. So it's yeah. like a keto carb or paleo blend. <laughs> Um, okay. I do eat vegetables still. I do believe in uh, polyphenols from berries, the antioxidants. Resveratrol from blueberries I think is very important for everyone. Um, uh, sometimes, depending on my male clients, sometimes they have to supplement resveratrol if they're starting to get the, the man boobs, uh, where they <laughs> they have sufficient amount. I can tell by their body I can tell by their bicep measurement how their testosterone is. Really? Tricep tells me estrogen. One of, it's one of the estrogen. What the,
0: the actual circumference relating to body weight or height, or, or what are you looking for?
1: It's the measurement of the body fat. Mm-hmm. And so the you're, ratio you're measuring, that.
0: You're yeah. measuring so bicep circumference against what?
1: Um, no, I'm just measuring the millimeters. And oh. I, I can tell by, so for instance, I'm about a 2.5. 2.5 um,
0: millimeters yeah. of pinch or something?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. So, you know, the calipers measure. Yeah. yeah,
0: so you have to have calipers. I not like just...
1: Right. I measure so you I find the peak of the bicep and yeah. then I touch it and pull it. So as hey, Charles on camera, people. All of your um, measurements should look like penis skin. <laughs> That's what Charles said.
0: <laughs> oh, there goes our pull right. quote for the, the show on Instagram. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so for instance, men when their pecs are too high. When their ratio is too high from their pecs and their triceps, I can tell what they drink if they drink. I can tell what they drink from their tricep to pec to calf ratio, and knee and their knee. I can tell how much they drink from their knee, and I can tell what they drink from their calf and their pec ratio. If it's beer or alcohol
0: or like uh, uh, the martini shaken not stirred, like James Bond, you can tell what they're drinking.
1: It's not exactly the the um, you know the brand, but. I can tell if it's beer or if it's a wine drinker. I can tell if they're a wine drinker, a beer drinker or a cocktail drinker, and I can tell how many drinks per week they have. <laughs> Just by Watch measuring out. It's based in Chinese medicine. Mm. Uh, and then Charles basically filled, figured out this algorithm to uh, measure the ratios, because the ratios matter. Um, so for instance, if they have the, the men have a, a very good testosterone measurement, low, meaning low. Uh, on the measurement, and then their PEC is a little bit out of range, um, it's out of proportion, then that means that they have the enzyme aromatase that is converting their testosterone to estrogen. And so then I will give them dietary, um, uh, you know, saying like, okay, for instance, for that, I'll just give your your listeners a little clue as to that. Uh, if that's happening, if you're, you know someone who's getting man boobs, They need to start eating zinc-rich foods, which boost testosterone, but also um, helps balance hormones. So shellfish, like oysters, mussels, um, shrimp, that sort of thing. That would be their number one protein, even before red meat, which is also high in zinc. And then um, I would put them on certain supplements like resveratrol and different things to detoxify the estrogens and to stop the conversion of aromatase. So, if that makes sense, <laughs>
0: uh, <very laughs> all of these things
1: matter, and everything's individual. So, I have an individual protocol. And when I just worked with Emma McGowan, she is phenomenal. I don't know if you follow her, but she's the she's 53 or 54, and she just won the 100, 200, and came in silver in the 400 at the recent World Championships. She ran um, faster than she ran three years ago. She ran a low 26. She ran a um, a high 12, 12, she was sub 13. And then she ran um, a 60 in her 400.
0: It was a 53 year old female. Yes. Wow.
1: And so she called me in January and for instance, and we did a whole consultation and she would, she was having menopausal issues. She wasn't sleeping well, this sort of thing. And so I put her on a specific protocol to her issues. And so people are always asking her, what are you taking? What should I take? And she's like, you have to call Cynthia because, She just helped me with my health and my performances as a result got better. Like I'm not taking any performance stimulants. That's not what's going on here. I'm just taking care of my health and my body. And I think that's a really valuable lesson for your listeners is that you don't have to be a world champion seeking track athlete to be a champion in your life and health. Like what matters is that you take care of your body, all of the energy and all of the feel good, um, you know, the anti-depression, the motivation to get things done in your day, the love for your family, all of those things come when you take care of your body. So my passion is to help other people take care of their bodies.
0: So Charles, you call him your mentor, and he was teaching you all these tips and tricks. Uh, But as far as your coach, specifically for track preparation, that you're talking about a different coach, are you working uh, directly or is this a remote relationship?
1: Um, yeah. so um and regarding Charles, like i I got the foundational tips and tricks from him, and then I continued that research on to even um, further go in depth on things. So I read about fifty medical journal articles a week, at least. Uh, I try to read uh, a couple of books a week. Uh, Charles said one of the best things you could do is one of the speed read. So, um, so <laughs> I, I try to intake a lot of information.' I'll, I'll pick like one subject like Alzheimer's or Mm -hmm. Um, or tocotrienols or something like you know and i just dive into all of the research i read all of it the pros the cons you know which how the mechanisms are working and i start to read the patterns and i think that's where um i found that my specialty goes above and beyond uh just general metabolics that charles taught is because i really dive in and read the patterns per individual that being said my track coach um is amazing his name is rudy huber and he I think it's Satan reincarnated because <laughs> he just tortured me. He loves to torture me <laughs> on the track. No, but I, I love it too. I love um, the challenge of the workouts and uh, he's a former decathlete, uh, former division one runner himself. I believe he is um, what, what age group are you? I think he's turning into the 55 age group. Actually, I'm 55
0: he's, to 59. age. Yeah. Group I think people. he's
1: get, going into that group. Uh, next year and so he's thinking about having a comeback but um he won a couple Masters championship back in the day years ago uh when he like i think late 30s early 40s um but he's mostly just passionate about uh coaching kids he's a high school coach he's coached olympians he's just he knows track inside and out and he's got the perfect coach's eye in my opinion and when if you don't know what that is it's when you look at an athlete and you can tell immediately when they start running uh what their issues are, how they can become stronger, what workouts they need, uh, what type of runner they are, and um, you can see pretty much the future, how they're going to develop if they do these things right.
0: Greetings, my fitness minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low impact options, an assortment of high intensity interval training and high intensity repeat training strategies. A detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified so go to primal health Coach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding, this is a big time discount. Just for you. Twenty five percent off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primal coach.com slash brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find.
1: Am I am I correct? Have you experienced that before?
0: That sounds like a pretty awesome coach. I can't say yeah. I've had any uh, masters like that. I, I appreciate Phil Maffetone's work a lot with the endurance athletes. And he um, proclaims that his 180 minus age formula was originally devised by looking at the change in the athlete's gait when they hit a certain heart rate, indicating that the metabolic stress was increasing. And so it's a non-scientific um, calculation, but you know, so relevant. And then you can go uh, re... Uh, you re- recalibrate that or, or validate that in the lab, when you look at um, gas exchange, and indeed, the person's uh, aerobic maximum is around 70 to 70, 73% of max heart rate, which oftentimes corresponds with a change in gait. And so those nuances that the coaches notice, I read Dan Fasts newsletter. I'm sure you've heard of him, and he talks oh, yeah. in those yeah, in yeah. those terms where it's way beyond the mechanics and the logistics. And I think anyone listening that's in the personal trainer realm, where we have this, um, you know, fixation on the mechanics of athletic training, Rather than on the nuances, and I think it's great to hear the content from you and people, if you don't believe her about reading all these journals, just go hit her Instagram for a moment and you'll see these really thoughtful and detailed commentary with scientific reference and same with on your website. so it is uh, going in going in deep here, and then uh, walk in your talk too with the uh, performances. Yeah, and you
1: know and with my clients' performances so um, mm-hmm. Annie Koons, for instance. Um, she uh, was, I mean, when I met her, she was having like a plateau in performances and she was a little bit concerned about losing her grant money and things like that. And the nutritionist that they were working with at the Olympic Training Center was saying things like, oh, you're doing everything right. And when she was like, clearly I'm not because I'm almost 20% body fat and my performances aren't getting better. And so, uh, you know, I kind of opened her mind to everything, did an analysis, she bought it, she did everything. Um, and within, See, her issue was, um, and this is, I said, let's put a pin in talking about the body fat and toxins. So her issue was she was having a type of estrogen dominance um, due to toxins held in her hamstrings due to environmental factors like scented candles, beauty products, lotions. All of these, um, these chemicals were getting stored in her hamstrings as toxins. So this is one of the ways that women, especially, have issues where they they will uh, store their body fat in their lower legs and their butt area. Um, so with it, we did the whole like basic um, flush of these toxins and changed her uh, her eating habits and got rid of all of the toxins in her environment. And within I came back I think eight weeks later, um, she had gone from 19% body fat I believe 18. Point something maybe 19 to 12 and a half percent body fat that quickly because of eliminating these toxins and her performances started skyrocketing. I don't know if you know the photographer, Jeff Cohen. Uh, he takes all the pictures of the track athletes. You should follow him Jeff Cohen photo. Um, he's, you know, he knows all the athletes because he's constantly taking professional pictures. And he's, I remember she told me, he said to her, like, I don't know what you've been doing, but your body has totally changed, you know? And she was like, Oh, I have this great metabolic practitioner and this and that. Um, She went on to win the national championship and go to the Olympics. So, and then my other um, client that year, Maggie Malone, uh, they're both still my clients, but that year particularly, um, they're thriving. Uh, Maggie, when I met her right after Annie, she was having autoimmune issues and she was in a cycle of all kinds of antibiotics and this and that, and nothing was getting better. She was like fatigued to the point where she didn't want to get out of bed. Uh, And to be a former Olympian, And she's a javelin thrower. And then to feel that way and have gained all this weight and this and that, like, gosh, that must be crushing, you know? And I said, oh, well, I I can fix this. Like, we just (laughs) need to do this, stop doing this, take this, start eating this. And um, she broke the, she came back not only to win the national championship and go to her second Olympics, but she broke the American record twice last year. Um, So for me, that's why I do this. I love, love when my clients win medals way more than even I do. Um, so yeah, that's a an example of what I do with being a metabolic practitioner and how do all of these things matter in our yeah. life and why can't we all be this way, right? Well, uh, a lot of people are stuck in the federal guidelines of the food pyramid and now this ridiculous guidelines. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, I forgot what it's called. There's a new name for it, but it's saying basically like a score, frosted weeks, frosted mini wheats, You should eat a lot of Oh, I like saw that you should not post about that.
0: Own. Yeah. They were scoring different foods Yeah. and it seemed pretty random and maybe influenced by marketing dollars or something, but yeah, frosted mini wheats was, was way up there with a the high score. And then, yeah. you know, red meat was, uh, getting disparaged, just the same old stuff that we've heard for decades. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so uh, I just come in and I, you know, I talk about the benefits of red meat and, um, you know, I just really, again, I pinpoint it per individual, but there is a general idea that Frosted Mini Wheats are not going to help your athletic performance. And I, I take this all the way down to my high school kids, the ones who will listen. Mm. Um, My husband's been a wrestling coach for 20 years. We had the, uh, Nenea Estrella. She's the, uh, basically won the best high school wrestler uh, award of the whole nation. She's a four-time state champion here in Hawaii. She actually just signed with iowa for the first d1 women's wrestling program she just won pan ams last week um she won the u.s open this year she's one of my clients but she's like a daughter to me we actually actually lived with us and fed her for two years and trained her right here in my gym um and taught her all of the things same things that charles taught me that i get to pass on to her and uh you know she eats the steak before she competes as well and you look at like uh popular wrestling nutritionists accounts and stuff on Instagram and it's like the opposite. Again, it's like mm-hmm. lots of mini and I thought, gosh, no wonder these kids are not thriving. So it's really special for my husband and I to be able to share this with the young people because they then tell their families and then their families get healthier. So we're making a difference just by this one, you know, this one seemingly drop in the ocean, but it's creating a, a movement in a current to helping other people, their whole future generation get healthier and they influence their
0: family and friends. I wonder what your awareness is of the dietary practices of the elite athletes. Um, I had a guest on my podcast, Lindsay Barra. Her podcast is called Food of the Gods, and she studies how elite athletes fuel and train for peak performance in all these different sports, golf, race driving, basketball, baseball, and um, you know, I'm familiar a little tiny bit with athletes here and there in different sports. And it seems like they have a long way to go to get dietary optimization. I think there's still uh, trafficking in some of the process stuff that, that most humans eat. Um, I'm sure there's some other examples, but she also referenced an interesting point that there was little or no uh, examples of elite athletes engaging in these restrictive dietary practices that are so popular in the ancestral of the progressive health movement. So there wasn't a lot of keto athletes uh, competing in the world championships in Oregon last week or racing cars at Indy 500 or uh, people, uh, you know, really deep yeah. into intermittent fasting and some so, of these things. And that wasn't uh, something. I wonder how know. is she
1: finding that out? Is she interviewing every single athlete? Because I can tell you that my athletes that were there, they definitely eat that way. And they're not only do they eat that way, they're thriving that way. And maybe they didn't, shouldn't interview them or, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe they're not getting asked or maybe they don't want to tell. Sometimes they don't want to tell.
0: Um, well, I imagine there's, you know, you know, a percentage of uh, athletes who are deep into this right. with, with coaching and um, evolve coaches rather than your nutritionist every day down the street. Um, but I wonder if it's just a matter of time before they catch on or, I mean, in your case, I'm, I'm That's you a know. good
1: question because they, I can tell you from my experience, they are how can we put this it's it's the same way with the carnivore eating it's coming down from the top it's coming down from the government guidelines Mm -hmm. those government guidelines then are set to teach uh, nutrition head nutritionists at schools what to teach Then those head nutritionists teach in their universities the nutritionists and then the nutritionists are hired at these programs to teach the athletes and so that's how you end up with something like the olympic training center serving rainbow sprinkle pancakes to the athletes. What kind um, of, what kind of
0: pancake? What'd you rainbow say?
1: Rainbow sprinkles. Rainbow <laughs> sprinkle pancakes for breakfast. And At the Olympic like,
0: training center?
1: Yeah. Oh and I was goodness. like, uh, my husband's like, are the Russians working in the kitchen? What's going on? You know, like, we're trying to sabotage our athletes. They're, they, they're so into their Powerade slushies there, which I'm very anti Powerade, Gatorade, because uh, nobody needs to be consuming all those artificial ingredients, inflammation, hello. Um, Corn syrup, you know, or even if it's natural cane sugar, it's still too much. Artificial colors, that sort of thing. Even artificial sweeteners if it's unsweetened. But they had the the sweetened powered slushy machine in the Olympic Training Center. And not only that, they brought it with them to Doha and they were forcing it on all the athletes. Of course, my athletes were not having it. (laughs) They have a different protocol. They don't touch any of the food that's given to them at uh, foreign competitions. They don't touch it. Um, they control their food through restaurants and things like that. Um, But yeah, and I'm going really powering slushies. We really think that that's, what's going to send them, you know, to the next level. So I think that what's happening is uh, the corporations are spending so much money in these nutrition programs. And I'm, and I'm not saying this out of just conspiracy theory. I'm telling you that one of my Olympians told me at his college, he knew there was something wrong when uh, the head nutritionist was pushing Pop-Tarts on them. And he's like, I don't know a lot about nutrition, but it seems like Pop-Tarts was not the best thing. And she said, we need the sugar. We need the Gatorade with the sugar and we need the Pop-Tarts. And it turns out that she's the one on the board for Kellogg's and they're donating so much money to the mm. millions, to the nutrition program. So then you have these nutritionists that graduate from that program and then they get hired. And then this is where all of this information is coming. So Charles used to say, I remember in one of the metabolic classes, He said, is anyone here a a registered dietitian or a trained nutritionist? And a couple of people raised their hand. And he said, you either have to unlearn everything that you've learned or get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so they were like, oh, okay, no, we're here to learn. You know? Um, So that's how strict my upbringing through Charles was. And that's how strict I am with my athletes. And that's how strict I am when it comes to people telling me stupid crap like you need Pop-Tarts and sugar's not bad for you. Because I've seen the the detriment, the detrimental effects of these sugars. Now I I keep my sugars under 15 grams a day, Mm -hmm. and that includes the berries that I might be eating. Um, And that's you know, if you start counting sugars, it's not a lot. Uh, And so, and I keep my like I said, I keep my starchy carbs till later in the day, and it's usually something like root vegetables. Um, So yeah, I, I think that it's really important that there is a revolution in the food industry and people like you and I are here to help uh, say, Hey, it does work for athletes. And uh, you know, maybe game changers, isn't the way. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name of a
0: documentary people that we, um, we, we don't want you to see food lies intro. I'm going to put that link in the show notes too, from Brian, because that was a fantastic uh, intro to the great work that he's been doing, working on it for many years and kind of dispelling some of this nonsense that especially, is delivered through a propaganda type documentary.
1: Yeah. So when you, I think what a lot of people don't have time to do their own research, but when you start yeah. doing your own research, uh, you find a lot and you find a lot of, like, for instance, uh, EMFs. My athletes mm-hmm. aren't allowed to use AirPods. Mm-hmm. So anytime so, I see an athlete using AirPods, I just shake my head. Like, dang,
0: you're, you're really, um, now you got to convince me to ditch those because um, they're pretty convenient. Well, I used to go with a wire.
1: Wired, so that's good.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I do that in the car now, but when I'm working out, it's it's just so inconvenient to have the wire there. I'm gonna hit it with my hand or something doing running drills. And so yeah. um, let's give so, a let's give a big right. plug here. We gotta we gotta ditch these. Why are they so bad?
1: The AirPods, um, you know, you're microwaving your brain. And the, the thing is is that if you start if you listen to any of the media in the United States, they're not gonna you're not gonna find anything on it. Rarely. Rarely anything.
0: But oh, you're going you to find your um, studies, research, you're, you're going to find studies saying they're just fine is what you're going to find. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But if you look at, uh, you know, research out of Europe, oh my gosh, they've done mm. tons of research, Germany and that sort of thing. And that's one of the things, uh, you know, my mentor taught us. He actually spoke 12 languages. So he was able to do research in the other languages. I only speak a little bit of German, a little bit of Spanish, but uh, I try to still stick to the English reading because scientific terms are challenging as they are. But um, uh, yeah, so there's tons of research on EMFs and uh, uh, Bluetooth, all of it, tons, if you just start looking. Um, and the other thing is one of my clients I had, in Maui, her sister was on the team that created Bluetooth. And she told me when I start telling her, oh, I, I don't want you to use Bluetooth. Oh, yeah, you don't have to tell me. My sister was on the team that created Bluetooth and none of them will use Bluetooth after the studies that they did. And I was like, well, that's icing on the cake for me, you know, straight from the horse's mouth. I'm not that's yeah, besides all the research that I've done. Uh, so things like that, I, I really try to to help people, whether again they're a local client who's having had immune issues or someone who's trying to get pregnant, I get a lot of people who are trying to conceive, I help make babies, that's the best. Um hmm. or it's an Olympian I, I'm like, no, no AirPods, uh, you know, make sure your room is dark like a cave and you sleep. So there are a lot of other lifestyle changes that we can make and I love that Brian is uh, putting that documentary out because we're very aligned in our thinking and our beliefs and um I can't wait for it yeah
0: so uh back to your workouts you're under the tutelage of the coach and so they're designing you mentioned that you're uh you were instructed to hit certain split times at one of the workouts that you mentioned going through in 59 and doing a 500 now um are these uh calculated to be percentages of your absolute best racing time you could run a 57 in the 400 but you're not going out there and doing that uh, during training uh, rarely or if ever and so give us some idea of like the percentage that you're working within your capacity so that you can recover and rebuild and head back to the track three days a week
1: yeah um great question so uh, with anything, again, the cycling matters. We call it periodization and strength training. Same with track. You really need to periodize your workouts. Um, even if you are not, let's just say for the, the person listening who's not going to compete or not planning on competing, but they just want to sprint for their health. I highly, highly recommend periodizing your strength training and your running workouts. So you're going to go a little bit more... Um, longer distances with less rest in the fall, um, in the, you know, early season, uh, you you kind of basically take that and you start to taper the distance and give yourself more rest, but increase the intensity. So my coach does that pretty quickly, especially if I am running indoors. I only have a certain amount of time. I have to do a double peak if I'm running indoor and outdoor Um, I had a nice time this year, really not competing, just running to run for the sake of having fun. It was great. Um, So I didn't have to worry about those peaks, really. Uh, But I still periodized it to peak, um, you know, somewhere around May, outdoors. And then um, I did a mini peak, like, recently, but it wasn't wasn't too crazy. So uh, basically, you're going to increase the intensity as you get approached the summer. And you want to peak maybe midsummer, because that's when, if you did want to compete, that's when you would compete. And then you take uh, some time off, maybe August, September, and then pick it back up again. Um, But off means, you know, just kind of do whatever you want to do to to relax and get some training in. Uh, I do some strongman training, that sort of thing. But that being said, my speed coach friend from Canada found it very interesting when he analyzed my workouts that I mostly run my workouts within 90 to 95% of my race pace. For whatever distance it is, so if it's a 500, or 400, or 300, or 200, or 100, I'm running at 95%. I'm not ever really running at 100%, because that promotes injury as well. Um, I think that you can do some a few accelerations at that, uh, and then you know maybe a few accelerations, you properly warmed up, and then you can hit maybe some sh- a short distance day with some maximum velocity. But even then, if you're doing repetition, you're doing intervals, you're not doing 100%. I think that's how you get injured. Um, So keeping it within the 90s, I think, is a great way to spark um, all your catecholamines, your dopamine, you know, all these great uh, uh, neurological elements that help you burn visceral fat, that help you increase BDNF. Um, These are some of my top 10 reasons why I'm getting into already increasing BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor. It's what you're, it's like protein That's fertilizer for your brain. It keeps your brain active. It keeps it neuroplastic. It keeps you learning. Um, So this increases more during sprinting than endurance training. So when women turn 40, for some reason, they're like, oh, my hormones are shifting and starting to gain a little weight. They think automatically, oh, I'm going to start training for a marathon. And what happens? They, they're riddled with overuse injury. They're doing this long, slow shuffle jog. Uh, and not losing their their belly fat, not losing visceral fat. Their hormones start to get out of balance because they're um, increasing the stress hormones by running too long, working out too long. Um, All of these things, they're not getting muscle mass because they're uh, becoming catabolic. Their protein's getting eaten by doing too much for too long. Whereas the sprinting, if you look at a sprinter in a distance runner, it's clear as day, you maintain muscle mass. Um, And muscle, as we know from Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, is the organ of longevity it's what keeps us young it releases myokines that are good for us so we really need to keep this muscle uh, through resistance training and sprinting Uh, back to sprinting again sprinting is like one of these miracle things that people are afraid to do but if you just prepare your body a little bit with uh, walking up hills strength training Mm. you can do it right you Um, can sprint on a bicycle Yeah. A 95% is basically to come back to where I, where I live my life. And sometimes that's extremely difficult depending on the rest period. My coach like sometimes gives us this nutty. I remember just thinking, like, you are crazy. One of these workouts this spring, he gave us, uh, us, my training partners from Canada, he comes down in the spring. Uh, and he runs, he's actually, I think about your age too. And he runs the hundred, 200 doesn't want to have anything to do with the 400. (laughs) Um, but uh and he ran a 26 mid this or 26 low this season so he was really happy about that but um we ran a workout for instance and we do variations on the multiple 200s so you run one of my favorite workouts is that any of your viewers can do at home is uh, run a 200 which is halfway around the track and then walk a 200 Mm. now better to time your rest to make sure you're not walking for like six minutes one time and minutes Mm. another time usually it should be around three minutes so let's say you have like two and a half to three minutes rest between the 200s you can do like six to eight of those for instance is a good solid beginner workout to see where you are and challenging so we do variations on that sometimes he has this to 10 200s and sometimes and sometimes we have only a minute rest sometimes we have two minutes rest so this particular workout we had to do uh 200s in flats, Brad. In flats, which means, uh, you know, the spikes are going to make us go faster for those listeners. Flats are a little challenging, adds a second or two time, at 29 to 30 seconds with one minute rest. Okay, how many of those can we do? Oh, I think I managed like five and I thought I was going to die. We had to do six. I died in the last one. But I just couldn't even, like, that's insanity to me. And I was looking at him like, you're crazy. But so he'll challenge us as to how many, but again, we're still at that 95% range because maybe I run like a 26, 27, Mm -hmm. you know, usually 26, maybe 25 if I'm running fast at that point. Uh, But it's that same percentage. We're living at that, but he's changing the rest periods to give us the challenge. I think that's going to carry us right
0: into your top 10 list of why sprinting is better than cardio for fat loss and, and gut health. And you're telling that story about the the hypothetical 40-year-old that wants to go get in shape. And immediately the brain and, and society and our cultural programming uh, puts this uh, completing a marathon on a pedestal, or I'm from the triathlon scene, and everybody was always aspiring to do an Ironman. And it's important to second-guess that and say, why don't you try to go fast, on a shorter race and be more of an athlete rather than just shuffling along, not to denigrate, you know, if that's your passion and you want to finish that marathon and it's a bucket list item, ideally it would be a bucket list item rather than an every year over and over putting your body through that. Um, but, uh, what you were saying about dr gabrielle lyon's work and uh, i'm sure you've seen john Jaquish and his posts about how um, there's a lot of research that cardiovascular you know endurance training promotes fat storage and strength training power sprinting promotes fat reduction none more so than sprinting because of the the impact the high impact nature there's a strong message sending to your genetic signaling to drop excess body fat because the penalty for running along and doing one lap or doing half a lap with excess body fat is severe. Unlike the penalty for riding around hundred miles with a lot of extra body fat, as we, as we see all the time with those endurance training people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So number one, and we've talked about a few of these, but I'm just going to go through the top 10 list. Number one is better hormone balance. So mm. again, uh, you're a woman, even a man, you're hitting middle age, um, your hormones are starting to change. This is just you know the how the nature's nat- natural cycle of things. Your men are losing testosterone, women are losing estrogen. We want a better transition into midlife, whether it's menopause for women, and you need better hormone balance. So sprinting um, gives a better hormone balance through, Not having so much cortisol and the stress hormones, as we talked about, you're increasing your natural reproductive hormones by not having this cortisol from long continuous training. Um, Okay, so number two. Uh,
0: Wait, on number one, to be clear, people, when you go and do a high-intensity workout, you are getting a profound spike in the stress hormones. But it's the way that our bodies design, like Charles Poliquin said, when the, the lion is chasing you, you want all those stress hormones to be flooding your bloodstream. And then because Cynthia's leaving the track within an hour, the hormones go down, you recalibrate back to homeostasis and you had what's called an appropriate fight or flight stimulation versus going and doing back-to-back exercise classes at the gym where the stress hormones are floating around too long and then they become catabolic and have those after effects so it's the it's the short duration of high stress workouts that's the hormone balance magic number two
1: exactly and that actually helps you deal with stress in your mm, life good point right how how so like how how so short practice you're you're that little bit of that cortisol that's raised when you're doing that intense exercise, it prepares you for cortisol spikes that might become from stress in your life. So you're able to deal with it better and you're, it's not prolonged. So it's not becoming a problem. It's not uh, chronic cortisol. It's short, like you said, short duration. So it actually better prepares you. Um, so yeah, there's so many scientific mechanisms that we go into but it's just, you know, it gets to be too much, but that's the basic message. Is that so, short duration exercise better? Also, better prepares you for, you know, when life comes at you. So that yeah, you finish your track really, workout,
0: yeah. you feel and, great, and, and then you, you get a, a traffic jam on the way home, and you're just chilling with the flower in your hair. You don't <laughs> care. We'll see what happens when we get up well, to the site. And traffic jams of
1: Maui come from when people look at the whales, so it's not too bad.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. We just
1: look out in the whales are reaching. But okay, so number two, a lot of people don't know about this one. But microbacteria in your microbiome is dictated by what foods you eat and what type of exercise you do. So if you are doing long endurance training, your bacteria changes in order to create vitamins and fuel to keep that, keep you alive and keep you going. So the longer the ultra-endurance type athletes are the worst with their microbacteria. Um, and when I go deep into the studies, it, it seems that the uh, one microbacteria called Prevotella is abundant in endurance athletes, and that one, if it's um, over in overabundance, actually leads to degenerative diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, um, even worse responses to respiratory illnesses like COVID. Uh, so if you look up Prevotella overabundance, a lot of really bad things. The other thing that comes from Prevotella is if you look at what types of foods increase Prevotella, it's vegetarianism or vegan. And so plant-based foods and over fibrous, like you're eating too much fiber, too many fruits, that's actually going to create a Prevotella overabundance too. So if you know anyone with rheumatoid arthritis, they absolutely do not need to go near a plant-based diet because there's huge research between between Prevotella and rheumatoid arthritis. But any type of joint pain as well Mm. in athletes, you really want to look at the bacteria that you're fostering. So sprinting actually creates a better microbiome for uh, fighting off these illnesses, which is amazing. So we have these things called bacteroides, which comes from uh, foods like animal protein and also from sprinting in high-intensity work. So it's really fascinating that the microbacteria change according to what type of training that we do. Um, okay, number three.
0: Jeez, I'm already convinced that two, but we will <laughs> go through the 10 but before we let you go. Um, This is fantastic. Yeah.
1: Oh, good. Number three, um, sprinters are smarter than distance runners. Okay, don't get mad at me, distance runners. That's only because of BDNF. So brain-derived neurotrophic factor, again, it's a fertilizer for the brain. When given cognitive tests, the researchers showed that the sprinters answered the questions with more knowledge and retained knowledge after sprinting rather than after endurance training. So there's actually a, a specific study on this. It us uh, increased knowledge through BDNF. Um, okay, so uh, sprinting makes you happier. Number four, this is because of BDNF as well. So the research shows that BDNF is correlated to anti-anxiety and anti-depression. And this is, again, increased more through sprinting than it is through endurance training. So if you wanna get happy, there's again, specific research for depression and sprinting. If you look it up in in PubMed, Uh, if you wanna get happier, start doing some high intensity sprinting. Uh, Okay, number five, overuse injuries. We talked about this a little bit. Uh, My physical therapist, uh, when I interviewed him, he agreed with this um, and the research shows that uh, overuse injuries are more abundant in endurance training. So you're repetitively overusing tendons, uh, you're abusing joints, that sort of thing. And in sprinting, a lot of people are afraid of pulling a hamstring and that sort of thing. However, if again, if you start slowly and progress and you do this proper strength training so that you don't have these imbalances, you don't have to worry about that. Um, Okay, number six, heart health. Really interesting. There's this... um, term called cardiac remodeling and it used to be that some people thought cardiac remodeling was a good thing and this would, meant that your heart muscle got harder as you did endurance training mm-hmm. but what they're finding is the more cardiac remodeling you have from endurance training actually the worse your heart risks are for um, for heart attacks and arthrosclerosis arthrosper- oh, sorry throosclerosis time tie in on that one but um, so your heart health Actually, sometimes people are shocked. They'll say, oh, I have this friend, he's so fit, he does marathons all the time and he had a heart attack. How is this possible? I thought that's supposed to be heart protective. But in fact, your heart likes these short bursts of intense activity and then rest. Your body in general likes these short bursts of intense activity and then rest. Um, Andrew Huberman talks about this in his podcast a lot. Um, And I think that uh, he has got more of the scientific basis with the studies. But it just seems that when, once you cross like that, that hour, hour and a half threshold, when you get past that, your body is starting to become under too much stress. And so this thickening of the heart, sometimes it's called athlete's heart, actually makes um, you more at risk for heart problems. So you really want to watch that with the endurance training. And I, unfortunately, I have a friend who is just in his 40s, and he's experiencing that because he's a lifelong triathlete and he likes to do Spartan races and things like that. So he's constantly doing this endurance training. And he just went to the doctor because his heart um, started having arrhythmia and started bothering him. And they said, yeah, you have athlete's heart. So uh, we really need to watch that. Okay, so number seven, body fat percentage. Um, Now, if you look again at body types of sprinters and endurance athletes, endurance athletes might be skinny due to calorie restriction and um, burning calories, but they're not holding a significant amount of healthy muscle uh, tissue. And that muscle tissue is what keeps our our hormones balanced and that sort of thing. So we see, uh, for instance, distance runner girls, a lot of times are missing their periods. Um, They have poor hormone health. They don't know why they have acne. They have these mood swings. All of these things have to do with um, the, the type of muscle that they're carrying and the body fat percentage So they might look skinny, but they might be like skinny fat, as we call it. And I've found this many times. So the body fat percentage, if you're looking to lose that little bit of uh, body fat percent and be in the optimal range, which Charles discussed as between 12 and 15% for a female and six and 10% for a male, no matter what your age, this is where you need to be living for optimal health and well-being and performance. And I've I can attest to that. Under 12, you start getting into, for women, a little bit of the uh, thyroid, some thyroid issues, um, and under six for men. But if you're living in that range, you're doing well. If you're above 15 for a woman and you're like 18, you're just borderline. You really wanna be in that 12 to 15% range. And the best thing to do is sprinting for this. Why? Because sprinting and research, they show it burns body fat for two hours after you're done sprinting. The distance running, you have to run for two hours and burn the body fat. And then when you're done running, it stops. But sprinting, you run for 20 minutes, you burn that body fat for two more hours. This is why uh, Dr. Sean Omar has done a lot of work with visceral fat scans. And he mm. shows that sprinting is the best thing to eliminate visceral fat as well, which is you know, adipose fat is what I measure on the outside and the visceral fat is the fat around the organs. Sprinting, he says, is the best way. Okay, so body fat percentage number seven. Number eight, um, we talked about helps hold muscle mass as we age. So uh, just not too much to go into there. We just we need that muscle mass. If you look at the 100-year-old sprinters in Masters Track or my friend Krista boarding Nong who's 85 and is crushing world records in the 60 and the 100 and long jump even, she's just crushing it. She's just uh, incredibly mobile and spry and... Just on it. All of the things we just mentioned, she's smart, she's happy, all of those things. And she lifts weights, she does resistance training. So um, the sprinting and the resistance training help her, both uh, help her hold muscle mass. So, muscle mass as we age, very important. Mm. Okay, number nine reactive oxygen species, ROS, oxidative stress. These are the things that damage our DNA and our cells. And this is more abundant in endurance training. So they measure the ROS in endurance athletes. And especially the longer you go, marathon, they measured it. It's still really, really high, hard to mitigate through antioxidants, endurance uh, or ultra endurance athletes. There's research that says there's there are no amount of there's no amount of antioxidants that can reduce the damage from the oxidative stress of an ultra marathon. Um, so the longer you train, the more mileage you put in. The more you're damaging your cells, and if you're not pounding the antioxidants, which again, can, what are you taking for that? Is it fruits? Is it fruit juices that come with high sugar and cause inflammation? Like this, again, this is like a, a formula for injury in my eyes. If you just do the short duration with the animal protein, that leads to the overall well-being and the, the happiness, and then the less cell damage. Actually, so you're, you're repairing your cells better. Your mitochondria and is repairing faster. Um, okay, number ten. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. AQP4. AQP4 is aquaporin four. It's a water channel that. Um, which I'll just say right here. I have a very good friend who says there are no water channels. It's a whole uproar in the scientific community that mm. maybe there is actually proteins, not channel water channels. But we'll just leave it at water channels. Uh, it's a channel that's at the end feet of your astrocytes in your brain, and What happens when we sleep is our brain cells shrink, our glial cells shrink, and the cerebral spinal fluid comes through and cleans out all the junk in your brain. It's called the lymphatic system, and scientists really only discovered it about 15, 20 years ago, TOPS. Um, We know about the lymphatic system that does that through our body, but the lymphatic system is the one in your brain, so when it flushes all those um, amyloid beta proteins and all the plaque and and junk out of your brain, the metabolites, it has to go somewhere, and it gets flushed into your lymphatic system at your AQP4 channel. What they've found is that even if you eliminate the amyloid beta plaque, that still does not cure Alzheimer's or dementia. And so, or Alzheimer's is a type of dementia, right? So dementia uh, illnesses. But if you keep the polarization of the AQP4 channel correct, that will eliminate the Alzheimer's. So I'm not saying it's the cure for Alzheimer's, but I'm saying there's a lot of research that needs to be honed in more on this AQP4 channel. And that is because if the polarization is not correct, those plaques and that junk can't be sent to your lymphatic system to be eliminated by your body. I hope that makes sense because that's the more scientific one.
0: Um, yeah, get enough sleep that, and sprint. And then you're, you got right, the, so uh, the things
1: that keep your AQP4 yeah. polarized properly are sprinting, uh, and, uh, eliminating toxins. Alcohol mm. is the number one way to depolarize it. Um, <laughs> but if you exercise and you sprint specifically, your AQP4 channel is properly polarized. So brain health, that's one of my favorite things. Oh my uh, gosh.
0: I, I knew we were going to go deep, and um that's that's what's so great about you. you're You're hitting it on on all levels, deep into the science and also that that personal peak performance. It's a rare combination, really. And so it gives you tremendous amount of credibility because um you know, someone might come on tomorrow to challenge some of your top ten. But it's like, hey, the girl's running a fifty seven, so shut up and listen to what she's saying and uh, working with so many great clients, too. So, um yeah. people really we gotta love. we gotta get um connected with this girl so tell us about your two awesome instagram channels and elsewhere how we can uh learn about sure. your services especially the consultations and the offerings that you have for anybody
1: yeah mahalo i appreciate it um so fast over 40 is my instagram my main instagram and then mamstrong strong 808 m-a-m MamStrong808 is my uh, business Instagram. I have an assistant that runs it, but I interact with it, of course, and she tells me all the messages and things like that. Um, but she's uh, mostly likes to concentrate on posting like what supplements uh, she likes and we like and that sort of thing. Um, so MamStrong. And then my website is mam808.com or .org, either one. So mam808.org. And that's when you can schedule a consultation. I'm booked for July, but I have some available for August. I don't always have availability. Um, And I do in-person in Maui. Occasionally I'll pick a city and I'll take like four or five appointments in that city. Nice. Um, And so sometimes I might be in your neighborhood, you never know, uh, for in-person consultations, which are the most accurate, but I can still get a very good picture through phone consultations. Um, And those I schedule on my website as well. So... Yeah, I just, again, my, I hope that your listeners have learned something today and have taken something with them that might inspire them and might, um, you know, teach them that you're never too old, it's never too late. My parents are in their 80s, just turned 80, and they are making differences. My mom's lost, you know, 15 pounds in a year just by taking away her candy and placing it with protein, <laughs> like just little, little steps, you know, um, and they're, they're really enjoying their quality of life now that they're they learned how to take care of their bodies. I'll just put it that way. Um, So it's never too late and anyone can do whatever they want. If you want to become a world champion, I'd be happy to help. If you just want to sprint for your health, I'm happy to help with that too. And I definitely share a lot of information on my Instagram.
0: And positive energy all the time. The Aloha Spirit, Cynthia Monteleone. Thank you so much for joining us. I think we're going to have to get you back on in, in, in due time and, there's tons of other topics we could talk about, but today, lots of learning, lots of inspiration. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Aloha.
0: Thank you. <laughs> hey, ladies. You may have heard me talk about Gaines Wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, Gaines Wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called Gaines Wave for Her. of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows.